You're listening to Radio Maria, and this is Life Lessons with Edmund Rice. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look kindly upon you and give you peace. life lessons we are taking you to Cape Town to St John's Christian Brothers College which is an independent Catholic school for children from age 2 to grade 12 in the Edmund Rice tradition they are located in Parklands a suburb of Cape Town they're proud of their rich tradition which they combine with a contemporary vision of academic excellence within a holistic educational environment this morning we have two students representing the school, Mika Laudaus and Ande Zeguana. Uh, apologies for the pronunciation there, Mika and Ande. Um, Mika and Ande will be speaking to us today about climate change and gender-based violence. So a very warm welcome to you, uh, Mika and Ande, and over to you. Yes, so um, good morning. My name is Mika Ledouche. And I'm Ande Zeguana. And uh, I am the head prefect of St. John's Christian Brothers College in Parklands, as you said, and Ande is the prefect of student affairs and our gold or Ignatius House prefect. And we are a Christian Brothers school uh, based in Cape Town, and we offer education from preschool to high school. As we are a Christian Brothers school, we follow the principles and ethos of our founder, Edmund Rice. And since the reason that Edmund Rice started these schools in the first place was to give the poor young boys of his town of Waterford Island the opportunity to thrive through the backgrounds of poverty. Thus, we find it important that we bring to light the problems that the underprivileged people of our country face due to the obstacle of climate change. And I'm just going to uh, give a quick basis of climate change in South Africa. So as a country, South Africa is rich in coal as a resource for energy. Coal reserves are estimated at 53 billion tons and contribute 3.5% of the world's coal resources. According to energy.gov.za, the immediate resource for energy in South Africa is coal and an estimated 77% of our primary energy needs are made by coal. However, due to the dependency on this resource, through coal combustion, greenhouse gases such as carbon dioxide, methane, chlorofluorocarbons, and other harmful gases are released into the atmosphere. The resultant effect is changing weather patterns due to global warming, which traps greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, resulting in a blanket of concentrated heat covering the Earth's surface. This leads to several changes in weather patterns, such as a rapid rise in temperature, increased drought in dry areas, and flooding of coastal areas. 
In South Africa, we have been experiencing ongoing droughts and the recurring threat of day zero across the country. This being the time at which running water is lost completely across the country. The struggle with water scarcity is ironically contrasted with the obstacle of floods we also have to face. As recent as April of this year, we have faced severe floods due to heavy rainfall in our country's subtropical province of KwaZulu-Natal. These floods caused the death of at least 435 residents of the province, having people swept away, trapped under buildings, and drowned by landslides. The floods also had immense damage on the infrastructure of the province, destroying thousands of homes and major roads. The effects of these natural drawbacks only add to and influence the socio-economic problems that we already face as a country. One of the largest problems we face in South Africa is poverty. South Africa has an estimated population of 100,000 to 200,000 homeless individuals, only growing at an exceeding rate. This statistic does not include the 18.2 million people living in impoverished communities, including informal settlements, having their basic needs somewhat met, but still having to live in extreme poverty with limited infrastructure and services. And I'd like to just put an emphasis on the fact that these statistics are an estimation, thus not being completely accurate, and that the actual number of these people could be perceived as much higher. The changing climate of South Africa and its consequences in the environment has equal influence on the state of living of those living in these impoverished communities. As discussed before, flooding causes damage to the infrastructure of the area in which it affects. This means the, death, the destruction of homes in rural areas which would be more susceptible to this kind of damage, leaving people without homes with the other resources they may not be able to access. Sanitary infrastructure, such as mobile toilets, for, for example, is also damaged, leaving people with a, at a loss of dignity. The rising sea levels, also caused by climate change, only displace those living in poverty even more. In coastal areas, some rural communities are based closer to the floodplains and lower-lying areas as a means of water source for agricultural use. Thus, when sea levels do rise, those living along these coastal plains lose land not only to work on, but to live on too, leading to the displacement of these individuals. Another obstacle we face as a country is food insecurity. In South Africa, food is insecure at a household level, as not all households have access to sufficient food supply. Thus, the availability of the food is not a problem. However, it is the affordability and accessibility of these resources to people of lower income households as in the rural areas previously discussed. Droughts play a large role in the loss of access to food for those living in rural areas. Most rural communities look to agricultural activities as their main source of food. The loss of water droughts brings causes a major loss in crops and even death of animals such as cattle, which would have been used as a food source. Floods also play a major role in the loss of food security. Floods cause soil erosion, which removes the top layers of soil due to the power at which waters of a flood flow. Farmers are thus unable to plant crops, and the crops which have already been planted only lose the valuable nutrients they once had. This not only affects the amount of food those in rural areas may have access to, but may result in a halt of food production in general. The rise in sea levels around the coastal parts of our country can be once again seen as the cause of these floods. 
they also have a negative effect on the soil quality of these coastal areas as the saline waters of the ocean move into freshwater aquifers, this process being known as saltwater intrusion. The result of this being the decay or contamination of groundwater quality. This affects not only the waters which would, have, which would be used for agricultural activities, but fresh water used for drinking purposes in general, thus having a larger effect on the water security of these areas. But what has our school done in an attempt to end this? As a school, we have attempted to combat these obstacles. Because of our ethos, we find it important that we care for and preserve the earth which we are blessed to live on. And as an Edmund Rice School, we find it especially important when these obstacles severely affect those less privileged than us. As Edmund Rice himself stated, his, as Edmund Rice himself started his schools in order to stop the cycle of poverty among the youth of his town. We have been inspired by the Pope's encyclical, the Daughter Sea, to take better care of our environment and the world God has blessed us with. As a school, we have planted fainbos, which are, an indigenous, which are indigenous plants to South Africa, in an attempt to eliminate the alien vegetation in our country. Another project we have worked on is the Sandwich Drive, in which students join every Friday morning to make sandwiches and give them to underprivileged students in a Catholic school, which is not as blessed to have the same resources as we do. These sandwiches being some of the students' primary meals of the day. As we are a school on the coast of Cape Town, we partake in beach cleanups often to prevent the contamination of our oceans. And lastly, as a school, we have done a project regarding eco bricks, in which students compress the litter they have into two liter bottles in order for them to be eventually used to build real houses and structures. The main lesson which we can take from this is to care for our environment. It may be easy for us to say, as we do not see the immediate effects or are not as affected as much because of our own social stability. However, it is important that we remember those who it affects the most. Those who aren't as privileged as us to watch these obstacles be dealt with at a distance. Thus, another lesson can be to make sure we educate ourselves on ways we can help the individuals that climate change affects most in our communities. And I'll now be passing it on to Ande, who will be speaking about another problem many women in poverty face in South Africa. A huge problem in the world that we aim to advocate for is gender-based violence. It violates human rights, such as the right to life, freedom from torture and degrading treatment, freedom from discrimination, and the right to safety and security. This problem specifically affects South Africa at a rate disproportionate to the rest of the world, with South Africa having the highest rate of rape in 2010 at 132.4 incidents per 100,000 people. A woman is raped every 20 seconds in South Africa. To represent that, a ping will be sounded for those women every 20 seconds throughout my speech. Concrete statistics remain difficult to find due to underreporting. South Africa has been named the rape capital of the world, and gender-based violence continues to prevail despite legislation aiming to see it end. We would like to continue the Edmund Rice spirit by advocating for victims of human rights violations. Gender-based violence is a general term used to capture violence that occurs as a result of normative role expectations associated with each gender as well as the unequal power relations between the genders within the context of specific society, according to Violence Against Women and Girls, a compendium of monitoring and evaluation indicators by Sheila Bloom. 
Violence against women is further defined by the UN as a manifestation of historically unequal power relations between men and women, which have led to the domination over and discrimination against women by men, and to the prevention of the full advancement of women. And that violence against women is one of the crucial social mechanisms by which women are forced into subordinate positions compared with men. Gender-based violence is an extreme expression of unequal gender relations in society. Adolescent girls and women are commonly the victims of gender-based violence, and they face consequences that are heightened in comparison to men. These consequences include forced pregnancies, unsafe abortions, and a high risk of sexually transmitted infections and diseases. The UN Declaration on the Elimination of Violence Against Women states that violence against women shall be understood to encompass, but not be limited to, physical, sexual, and psychological violence, such as battery, sexual abuse of female children, marital rape, and more. Common forms of gender-based violence are domestic, physical, emotional, economic, and sexual violence. South Africa has ratified the Beijing Platform for Action, the UN Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, and other international instruments. Factors that can be the root causes to the issue of gender-based violence in South Africa. Culture and traditions, as well as religion, economic factors, alcohol abuse, and legal factors. Cultural factors that play a role in being the root causes of gender-based violence include female genital mutilation, which involves the ritual removal of some or all of the external female genitalia. The culture is more common in other African countries and is not seen as much in South Africa. An economic factor such as the lack of economic independence among women is a key driver of gender-based violence. Women are more likely to stay with abusive partners that they are financially dependent on. South Africa has a high unemployment rate of 32.9% and poverty has a clear connection to gender-based violence. Gender-based violence becomes prominent, which reinforces male power and authority through being the only provider for the family. However, in cases where female partners are financially independent, their male partners may also become violent to maintain patriarchal power. Legal factors that prevent gender-based violence from being properly addressed include the role of police. Although the police have a clear role established by legislation, specifically the, Dom the, the Domestic Violence Act, to protect the victim of violence and arrest the perpetrator. It has been found that many officers are unwilling to assist. Other legal reasons are people being unfamiliar with the court system and may not be able to access the court as they live in rural areas. The ecological framework is based on the evidence that no single factor can explain why some people or groups are at higher risk of interpersonal violence. It views interpersonal violence as the outcome of individual, relationship, community, and societal factors as related and interacting with one another. Examples of individual factors would be being victim of child maltreatment or substance abuse. Relationship factors include poor parenting practices and marital discord. Community factors consist of poverty and high crime factors, among other things. Last, rapid social change and conflict and crisis are part of the societal factors that can cause interpersonal violence. Climate change and environmental degradation have been exacerbating existing inequalities and creating new vulnerabilities. Studies have also found that women are 14 times more likely to die in climate catastrophes than men. 
climate crises seem to be related to the violence faced by women and girls. In the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action, it was recognized that women are particularly affected by environmental disasters, infectious diseases, and various forms of violence against women. It was also found that women are at greater risk in regards of violence after disasters by the Committee on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women. Climate change also exposes people in vulnerable situations to human rights violations. People may be denied access to resources in a way that may be discriminatory. Physical violence is heightened after natural disasters due to displacement and being in emergency shelters. Due to the breakdown of the law in and always of being protected in these situations, women are put at higher risk of violence being acted onto them. Women have also been forced into sexually exploitive situations after natural disasters in hopes of getting their needed resources such as food and water. Due to the breakdown of law enforcement and protection measures, women are at higher risk of trafficking in displacement sites. Psychological and cultural violence manifests itself in the form of reduced privacy, being taunted or harassed in displacement shelters, and a loss in tradition can also negatively affect the cultural identity of women. Domestic violence normally takes place during or after sudden disasters. It can be a reaction to the loss of control and economic stress of the situation. People also become more vulnerable to domestic violence because of the breakdown of the way to report the crime and lack of resources to report it. Gender-based violence can be have harmful effects to the economy and economic, and economic violence can be seen after natural disasters. Women's ability to achieve economic autonomy is decreased in rural areas, where women are likely to have a huge amount of household responsibilities. These responsibilities become more labor extensive during and after natural disasters. Climate change worsens women's economic burdens and makes it more difficult to seek safe forms of employment. Climate change is related to the problems and violence that women face. And to aid in the destruction of frameworks that allow gender-based violence to prevail, the issues brought up by climate change and natural disasters must be addressed. There are a multitude of consequences when gender-based violence occurs. Gender-based violence has extremely harmful effects on the physical, psychological, emotional, and behavioral well-being of women. The physical effects include HIV infections and unwanted pregnancies. Psychological effects can be post-traumatic stress disorder and major depression. Behavioral effects in women consist of alcohol abuse and suicidal ideations. There are many more consequences of gender-based violence, and because of them, efforts need to be made to end gender-based violence. Preventing and responding to gender-based violence. Expressions and strategies, an article by CEDA has a few strategies on ways to prevent and respond to gender-based violence. These strategies are shifting the focus of women as victims to women as survivors, increasing women's participation and influence in politics, increasing women's economic empowerment, increasing sexual and reproductive health rights, transforming the norms and behaviors that underpin gender-based violence, improving existing legal legislation directly linked to gender-based violence, and bridging the gap between law and practice, among many other things. We've translated some of these strategies into projects at our school. At our school, we have been given multiple opportunities to create campaigns that spread awareness on gender-based violence, whether it be school projects or extracurriculums, such as Leadership and Serve. 
We have had speakers come in that share their experiences with gender-based violence. Not only does our school advocate for direct victims of gender-based violence, but indirect ones as well, with the formation of a campaign against period poverty, we supplied young girls with the necessary, with the necessary sanitary products they needed, but did not have access to. We had a speaker from the justice desk come in and discuss human rights with the whole school. It is important to not only form key responses to gender-based violence, but clear tactics for prevention. These tactics should address the problems at its roots and the relation gender-based violence has with the economic, social, political, and environmental climate of the world. A lesson learned from this topic is the interrelative nature of all aspects of societal living and human rights violations. It seems as if everything may have an effect on one another in the society in which we live. Edmund Rice believed that students have the power to be agents of change, and we hope that we can prove him right, just as many other students have done in the past. Now, here's a song sung by our junior school choir that we believe encompasses what needs to be done for change to happen, and what many South Africans already live by. It refers to behaving well towards others or acting in ways that benefit the community, a phrase that can be translated to humanity, or I am because you are, Ubuntu. Thank you so Would much. You Could you just once again explain the ping to anyone who's tuned in whilst you've been speaking? Um, the ping plays every 20 seconds to represent the rape of women that happens every 20 seconds in South Africa. Thank you so much, Ande. And here is the song.
You have been listening to St. John's Christian Brothers College in Cape Town and a huge thank you to Mika and Ande for such a fantastic and well-prepared session this morning in this episode of Life Lessons with Edmund Rice. Thank you, Mika and Ande. And, uh, thank you, thank you so yes. much and have a beautiful day. Yes, same to you. Thank you. Oh.